Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything happening in the cold chain world. Not only is there the coolest show in Freight, there's also the coolest newsletter. You can subscribe to that on FreightWaves.com slash Running on Ice. Before we get into our guest interview, let's get into some headlines. Penske Automotive Group has acquired Trans Solution Truck Centers, a medium and heavy-duty commercial truck and buses retailer in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. With this acquisition, Premier Truck Group, Penske's wholly-owned commercial truck subsidiary, expands its reach into Canada by establishing its first presence in Manitoba. The acquisition will add 73 service bays, 59 technicians, and about 200 new members to Premier Truck Group. The company expects it will generate approximately a casual $180 million in annualized revenue, just a small little amount, including the Translution Truck Center's facility. Premier Truck Group now operates 44 locations throughout North America. A hot new publication on the demand for global food and beverage cold chain logistics just dropped from advanced market analytics. The market of food and beverage cold chain logistics is increasing due to, due to the rising import and export activity. In many regions, there is a shortage of several food and beverage items, and that's driving up importing and exporting demand. Agro Merchants Group, a global leader in cold storage and logistics solutions, announced the Receipt of the first shipment of fresh produce through the port of Savannah. The fresh Peruvian table grapes were shipped by Divine Flavor, a grower-owned distribution partner of the Mexican-based Grupo Alta. As demand for imported fruit and vegetables increases, more atypical ports will see temperature-controlled freight moving through their operations. Los Angeles-based Juicery Press has found themselves with a new captain at the helm. Justin Needleman, a former founder of a full-service hamburger restaurant, has joined the ranks at Prest as their new CEO. Prest offers cold juices, wellness shots, dairy-free soft serve, smoothies, smoothie bowls, snacks, and supplements. So just a little change from the hamburger game. His first act as CEO is to optimize operations before adding more stores to their footprint. Today we are joined by Royce Neubauer, founder and CEO of SFL Companies. Welcome to the show, Royce. Well, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. This. Um, we're going to kind of get into some of the fun stuff today. But before we jump in, why don't we get a brief rundown on you and kind of how you started SFL companies? Yeah, I've been in the supply chain and, and logistics world for oh, roughly 25 years now. Um, makes me feel very old. Uh, but started many years ago at a, at a little startup um, known as TQL. They were they were pretty small at the time. And, and I think I was the 30th employee at the time. So had a great experience there, worked there for almost 10 years, um, watched the company grow and really just got ingrained in putting that puzzle piece together in supply chain. It's to me, that's the exciting part of the operation side of it. Um, so I took my knowledge, um, uh, from, from my experience there and, and bootstrapped, uh, SFL companies in January of 2011. And here we are, uh, you know, 12 and a half years later, still, still chugging along and growing. 
I like it. The nice small mom and pop operations of TQL now. <laughs> I actually just found out over the weekend that they actually like they they named the Cincinnati soccer team stadium like it's TQL stadium. I had no idea until this weekend. I thought it was really weird. I was like, I think that's like the only freight brokerage that owns this, like has their name on a stadium. I thought it was weird, but I was like, hey, you know, got to get freight out there. We're cool. It's it's a good marketing uh, tool for them, and then they're doing a great job um, over there. So, you know, when I started SFL, you know, there, there were some similarities to what we were doing and what they were doing. Obviously, they're the second largest freight brokerage in the country now, I believe, behind C.T. Robinson. So, a little bit different. Um, you know, one thing about SFL that makes us unique is that our team is really, truly ingrained in what we ship. So, we ship food and produce for a reason. Uh, we do have a vehicle division, so we ship vehicles for a reason. Um, so our teams that that are moving those types of commodities really have a strong understanding of what those commodities need to be shipped with, the type of equipment, the way the truck should be inspected prior to loading, the temperature requirements, the way certain commodities should look when they're when they're harvested rather than than others. Um, you know, so there's a lot of intricacies and uniqueness about shipping food uh, that I'm really proud of our team and, and the professionalism that they've shown in really becoming professionals in this craft. I like that you guys have food and auto just because in case you couldn't get on two very opposite sides of the spectrum, you have produce, which has a whole bunch of rules and you know, the joy that is shipping produce. And then you have auto, which is completely different in everybody's shape and form. It's about as opposite as you could possibly get. Um, but there are a lot of similarities. Um, so produce in, in many ways, you're responsible for claims and damages and things of that nature, right? So you're, you're really careful on selecting drivers and educating your drivers on what they're shipping and how to ship it and how to make sure it looks when it's loaded. And it's very similar on the vehicle side too, because moving cars, those drivers are responsible for any dings or dents that, that happen to that vehicle. Um, our verticals operate, um, independently of each other. Um, there's no really blending our, our produce guys know the produce world inside now and the food world inside now. So that's where they focus. And our vehicle team just pretty much lives in that vehicle space. So, so we've been able to move our, our team's cars through our, through our company. So that's been interesting. Um, but the, the, the best part about both verticals is they're somewhat insulated from the economy. Um, people are always going to eat and people are always going to drive cars. So it's just a matter of what types of commodities, depending on when the economy is, uh, when the economy's booming, you're going to see more luxury items. You're going to see, um, all kinds of different commodities coming in from import export. Um, and when it's slow, like it is now, you're going to see more hardier goods and, and, and leafier goods. So we're just kind of going with the flow and, and, and we kind of, can monitor where the economy is to tell us where we're probably going to be picking up at more regularly than other times. Um, so it's, it's been fun to, to, to kind of blend our business with keeping us protected from big shifts in the, in the economy and big shifts, um, globally, uh, just by insulating us with the food and, and the vehicle space. I feel like that's gotta be a really nice to just like a nice little sigh of relief as you see every, all these like horror stories going around of companies going out of business, layoffs, et cetera. And you're like, well, conveniently, it's harvest season right now. So we're a little busy. 
we're a little busy and uh, it's good. Yeah. I mean, I think just since starting the business, I can go back to my days as a broker when I was at TQL many years ago in 2007, 2008, 2009, and the economy collapsed. We had a lot of guys get dinged during that time um, and, and their business disappeared overnight. My business, on the other hand, was very protected. You know, we just went from shipping strawberries and flowers and things like that to shipping pasta and potatoes. So the, the commodity groupings changed a little bit, but food kept rolling and, and we were protected. And that, that's kind of why I started SFL in the manner that we did. I wanted to have that protection, um, but I also wanted to be a specialist. And, and I think that's something that we pride ourselves on is we know how to ship food. We know how to, how to ship produce. And we do a very, very good job of protecting that commodity and those commodities for our customers. Yeah, I like the nice humble brag of like, no, we're just really good at what we do. So, you know, it's our thing. Yeah, we're not going to be, uh, we're not going to be in, you know, a Swiss Army knife. We can't do a million different little things. But the things that we do do, we do very well. And we do it at a very high level. Um, and I think that has made us somewhat unique and, and has you know, kept us growing over the, over the years. I like it. You guys have, I really, I think that those that really kind of find that niche and stay in it are tend to be more successful long-term than someone that's just trying to grab a bunch of freight and do what they can with it. Um, but I guess when you, you do, you, you had some experience shipping um, temperature controlled freight before you started SFL, but I guess what extra challenges come with it um, when shipping it that, you know, some people might not think about. We've talked about the perils of produce season before, and uh, we've talked about some of the other problems that come up with visibility. But what are some of those like true perishable good things that you're like, no, this is something that before you even have a broker or anyone, an operation sit down in their desk, that you're like, these are like the core things that you need to understand about temperature control freight. Yeah, I think the biggest things for us is is making sure we're partnering with the right carrier partners. I mean, I think understanding the age of the trailer, understanding the 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 maintenance on the refrigeration unit, making sure that there's an air chute in every single trailer and there's no tears, just little intricacies about understanding that equipment. I don't think a lot of brokers take pride in or, or put the time in to, to put in that research, right? So when we train anybody new, we kind of go right into this is what a truck is. This is what a trailer is. You know, we, we have to make sure that we're monitoring those trailers and that equipment the right way. So when we load a load of strawberries, we know that the insulation is going to be thick enough to protect the, the heat outside of the trailer from getting in. Um, so a couple of things that we've done, we've invested in technology and, 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 and partners that we're, we're able to monitor not just the tractor that that's driving that, that shipment, but the trailer by its VIN number. So we know how old that vehicle is, how old that trailer is. So we can understand, you know, this is a commodity that can go on there. Um, but then even getting a little bit more granular, understanding what it takes to move certain types of commodities. So when we're trading our, our staff, we'll go into the main commodity groupings. We'll start with leafy vegetables and what you have to do there. Go to your berries. Then we got to go to your asparagus and we go to your potatoes and understanding that you have to have airbags if you're loading clementines, things of this nature. So I really think we do a great job of, of educating our team um, 
and updating that education as changes and technologies come around to help us be more efficient and more intelligent when we're shipping those goods. Um, but then if somebody has a question, um, we're just open. Uh, our team is open and honest with each other on the floor. If somebody is is about to pick up a shipment that they don't know much about, then they're going to collaborate and they're going to ask uh, my team, myself, or leadership on the floor um, about loading certain different types of commodities um, to make sure that they've got the right equipment, that they've educated the driver the proper way, um, and that we have the right insurance coverage for whatever we're running. So that's something we also pay a lot of attention to. Commodities will rise and drop in price every single week. So we're staying ahead of that and, and following weather patterns to make sure that, you know, if, if, a, if tomatoes are going to spike this week, we need to make sure we've got the right amount of insurance when we're, when we're running those loads. Um, some weeks the pricing will be really low. Some weeks the pricing is going to be really high, just depending on how the growing seasons are going. So um, yeah, it's just, that's the fun part. Like I said earlier, putting that puzzle together, right? So you're not just grabbing a truck and, and telling them to go pick up a load. It's a lot more involved in that. And it's a lot more intuitive than, than just placing a carrier with a per- particular shipment. Um, so it's, it's, it's that constant education and, and staying ahead of the market when it comes to pricing the shipment, but also understanding how expensive or, or the cost of that commodity is as well. I, th- I like that you guys take that time and give people training um, as a former freight broker myself. And my first day uh, in transportation was here's a phone, a map of the U.S. and a, a list of people to call. Have a nice day. And I'm like, cool. What do I say when they pick up the phone? And they're just like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what do I say when I pick up the phone? And they're like, oh, well, you just ask them if they want to load. And I was like, what does that mean? So I like that you guys sit there and really give people that foundation to be confident and not just sit there and go, yo, I don't know. Like, they told me to call you. What I don't, what I what do that? Do we, do we normally call you? What do we normally talk about? And one guy was like, you give me work. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? And so stuff like that. I'm glad that you guys take that time and really invest in that training. Um, out of sheer curiosity, is there like a gateway commodity that you're like, this is what you're going to start with because it's the easiest or like the ones you have to work up to? Yeah. I mean, I've never really, it's funny. That's a great question. I've, I've never really kind of given any of our sales teams any particular direction on what they could or could not move. Um, we go through extensive classroom training and on the floor training before they're allowed to, to start cold calling or calling out though. Um, so they have a knowledge base of where they kind of want to live. Um, you know, I think it, it's a c- collaboration of, of just having that conversation with other brokers and understanding which commodities are going to sh- shift in bulk, right? If you're going to go after specific items that are very, um, that don't really ship in bulk, then you're going to kind of be blocking yourself from your opportunities, right? So, you know, your green leafy veg, vegetables, right? Those are shipped daily. You know, any citrus product is shipped daily. Tomatoes are always shipped in bulk, onions, potatoes. Um, so we want to go for commodity groupings that are, that are going to have more opportunities. Uh, but we do have some team members that do some very special stuff um, when it comes to different you know, dairy companies they work with or, or, um, packaging and manufacturing companies they work with, 
We do a lot of avocado pulp that I didn't realize how expensive that stuff was. And well, so we had a, a claim two years ago, um, but we're very specific on who we load with those types of shipments as well now, right? So there's a, it's really neat understanding what our customers do as well, uh, because you kind of learn where your food comes from and who's making it and, and, and how many different um, really cool distributors and manufacturers are out there that are really making good products. And it, it's, it's, it's interesting, but it's like that constant evolution and, and, and growth. So um, our avocado pulp customer is great because we ship avocados and then we ship the pulp. So we get two types of business shipments out of them. So it's, it's a really good combination. And, um, you know, any, any, any one of our sales teams can, can kind of pick and choose what they want to go after. But if it's something we don't know about and we don't understand the commodity, we're going to, we're going to do the research before we start shipping it. I like it. You know, I, I like that. It's just kind of not necessarily a free for all, but like, here's your baseline, go get what speaks to you or what you are the most kind of, I guess, passionate about, not just like, well, you're going to start with berries. And then you're going to go to mangoes and then you're going to go up to lettuce and like kale is like the top of the line. Um, but I just, I like that. It's just kind of go off, but go off reasonably. Whereas if you come across like pink pineapples, you're like, wait a second. What is that? And we want them to diversify as well, right? They want, we want them to have, you know, some flexibility and some diversification with their moving, not just for their knowledge base, but it also protects them. Uh, but if you're just focusing on tomatoes out of, you know, Mexico, for example, and they have a freeze, well, where are your tomatoes coming from then? They're going to come out of Florida, hopefully, unless Florida freezes as well. So, which has happened to us before. Um, you had the massive freezing in Texas a couple of years ago that, that destroyed, I mean, just millions of pounds of citrus and, and lettuce. And it was insane, right? So what happens to replace that? How do you replace that? And that's, you're going to have to have more imports. You can't just shove a bunch of oranges back in the ground and go, don't worry, it's okay. We'll have more in like a week. They take months to grow. Months. And we that that hurt us because we were shipping a lot of that product at the time. And, you know, that was a tough, you know, pill to swallow that, you know, all this business that you had booked is gone all of a sudden. But you just shift gears, you know, because it's going to get replaced somewhere. So that our imports increased that year. So we really started focusing on those importers and and reaching out to those types of shippers to kind of replace what we had lost out of the field. Um, so it's 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 really interesting to watch. Some of our guys will really just get intricate and want to do seasonal work around the country. So we have one of two of our teams that are very heavy out of the Midwest. They, you know, the Midwest crops will be coming up soon. They're, they have big surges at that time. Um, then they also do a lot out of Texas, which is more year round than it used to be. Nogales, Arizona, which is more year round than it used to be. California is always year round. So we kind of focus on the different states. Um, and, and you'll have some teams that are very specialized in certain regions of the country. Then I have some teams that are wide open. Yeah, they're, they're moving stuff from everywhere. So yeah, they, they have the flexibility to kind of pick and choose. I like that. Um, so going back to the TQL days to now, how what major changes have you seen in cold chain over the last few years? Because, you know, things are still moved, like goods are still moving. They're still going on trucks. But, you know, that kind of evolution of that cold chain, that temperature controlled freight has very much changed. So what are some of those cool changes that you've seen? It's it's a world of difference. Um well, in my beginning days, we had paper dispatches that were back and forth to each other. 
I don't want to date myself, but that's exactly what it was. So now all the technology that you see out there um, from just, you know, your temperature devices where we can see the live temp in transit, things of that nature are phenomenal, right? We didn't have that in the beginning. We had these paper temp tells that somebody would have to get out at the end of a shipment and see if the, the temperature was fluctuated at all. Um, that was always a pain to wait this, to wait for that temp tail to get red. Um, now I can see it live, right? So not only are we tracking the location of the drivers, we're tracking the temperature inside the trailer. We see if there's any major fluctuations at all. Um, you know, I just, the technology itself is so much stronger. The trailers are so much better as well. Um, you know, in the, my previous days, we had to make sure that it had air ride suspension and not spring trailers, things like that. Right. And I remember always stating that when I was booking a truck that, Hey, you got air ride, right? You have a reefer unit. Yes. You got an air chute. I need a picture of the air chute. Um, all these little things, uh, that we, we had to do manually before are pretty much automated today. Right. Um, even booking our, our, our top carriers. So we have a lot of carriers that they're just pretty much locked in on the same shipments every single week. And we can auto tender those shipments to those guys and our system can just push it out. Driver knows what their dispatch is. They've got all the details. And ultimately in the beginning, you know, we were making 10 phone calls a day per shipment just to track where the truck was. Well, drivers don't want that. They, they don't want to talk to us. So the best part of the, the best shipments are the ones we don't even speak to the driver, right? Those are the best because we know that those drivers are already educated on the commodities we ship. They're already educated with that particular shipper and receiver because we're route tripping them on the same loops every single week. And those are the best. Those are your lowest volatile shipments, least lowest claim ratios, all those things. So we're trying to do that as much as we possibly can. Um, and one thing that we've done a good job of here is is really digitizing a lot of, I think, wasteful spend, human touches that we don't need. Uh, because we're only going to get in the way and mess it up anyway. So it's a lot of the administrative tasks. It, it really helps us become more efficient, more intelligent, and just a better partner for our carriers and our, and our customers. I absolutely love that. As someone who is a big fan of automation and used to make 10 phone calls on the same thing, and then I figured out, oh, wait, I know that this guy will always take it. If I just spread it out, I'm going to talk to him. And they were also also the ones that you never that always had a problem wrong or you're trying to get a hold of were the ones that never answered their phone. So you had to do what I like to refer to as the crazy ex-girlfriend method where you just keep calling, like call, hang up, call, hang up, call, hang up until they answer. They always answer. They oh, but it has to be an extreme emergency for that to happen um, because they will get super mad at you. <laughs> well, I, I remember one guy I used to, used to broker with he had like three cell phones because he had he wanted to call from different numbers so the drivers would pick up <laughs> yeah that was smart right it was over the top but it worked um but nowadays you know to your point if we don't if we don't speak to them it's probably the best result right i mean we're want professional drivers we want to treat them with respect and and let them just go do their job that we hired them to do. If they need help, we're here to support them. And, and that's really what the relationship should be like. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent is just you guys are a team, not opposing forces. So we are running out of time, but there's a show that there's a question that everyone comes on the show has to answer. Are you ready for it? Is cereal considered a soup? That is an interesting question. 
Um, I would, I have two daughters and one of them eats her cereal with milk and the other one will not put milk in her cereal. So I would say, depending on what you're putting in the, in your cereal, it could be a soup or not. Okay. I am um, team. I don't put milk in my cereal. Usually I usually just eat it dry. Um, I know I'm a monster. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like it. It's just depending on if there's liquid or not. I dig it. So if anyone has any questions on your cereal as a soup stance or, um, you know, if they have questions on shipping produce or automobiles or anything, where can they find you outside the show? Yeah, they can check us out on our website at www.sflcompanies.com. And they can always feel free to email me at any point in time. Uh, my email is Royce at sflcompanies.com. And yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody. Awesome. You guys heard it here first. Royce's DMs are open. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You can catch other episodes of Running on Ice right here on Freightwaves TV, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Need more Running on Ice news? No sweat. Subscribe to the newsletter on Freightwaves.com slash Running on Ice. See you on the internet.